where suddenly for the first time in their lives, they actually care about the outcome of something. And that means they've got to sort through the, the relationship issues, right? And so a lot of the coaching I send doing with teams is how do you do this, right? Like when you're having these breakdowns in teams of communication or, you know, people not feeling like they can share their ideas openly, whatever else, all these team dynamic things, they're learning because they actually care, right? Now you compare that to a class project where they're like, okay, in two weeks, this class project is over. And so I'm not going to, I don't care about actually sorting out this relationship thing. Welcome to Schools of the Future, where we talk to education innovators about better approaches to learning. Today, we're honored to have Chris Crittenden as our guest. Chris is a former tech entrepreneur, former head of product and investor, who's turned his attention in recent years to education. He's currently serving at Brigham University as the managing director of the Rollins Center for Entrepreneurship and Technology, where he runs Sandbox. Sandbox is super interesting because unlike innovation hubs at many universities, it's not a side project, but it's the main project that students are doing during an entire year of their college curriculum in exchange for credit in their major. Just to give you a quick overview of how it works, students apply to Sandbox as an engineer, a designer, or a product manager. They then spend two semesters building a software company and getting ready to pitch it to investors. I found this conversation to be super interesting, not only because I was a BYU undergrad several years ago and really wish I went through a program like this, but I also just think Sandbox is built on solid learning science principles from the, the community of practice with so many supports embedded into it to the respect that it shows for student agency, allowing them to figure out when, how, and where to build their business. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Chris. Chris, welcome to Schools of the Future. I'm very excited to talk to you about Sandbox. But before we do that, could you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with creating this program and what brought you back to BYU? Probably it really begins when I was at college. I think I was dissatisfied with my experience. I just felt like there, there had to be a better way to learn. And I think I always kind of wanted in the back of my mind to do something about that. And, you know, beginning of my career, I'd gone to McKinsey and done some education consulting with the, you know, U.S. Department of Education, Gates Foundation, other things like that. A lot of people who are thinking, I think, pretty innovatively about how to make things better. But then uh, I left that and, and became an entrepreneur, a tech entrepreneur, and then later an investor. And uh, I've kind of left that behind, but it kind of got to a place in my life where had some time and uh, started, wanted to tap back into this thing that was really motivating to me at the beginning, both in college and also at the beginning of my career. I just came to BYU and said, hey, I, I've got an idea for, you know, for a class and can I teach it? <laughs> if I, if I volunteer, will you, you know, let me just do this thing? And yeah, they said yes. And so from, from that point, I just started testing and experimenting with different things in the classroom. I mean, the first one was a coding class for business school students. So people who had never coded in their lives. And the challenge for me was like, can I take them from that state to like building a, you know, a, a mobile app <laughs> kind of right in one semester with the whole philosophy being, um, hundred percent kind of experiential learning, right? Like we didn't start from like the fundamentals of, of computer science, right? We just got them building and started to layer the theory on top of that. And anyway, it worked really well and uh, just kept experimenting from there and eventually launched Sandbox. Okay, let's jump into talking about Sandbox. So Chris, what 
is Sandbox? Can you kind of just give us an synopsis of what it is for our listeners who aren't familiar with it? So I think your Sandbox is a startup incubator that you do during college. And I think what makes it different is that you get credit for it, right? So a lot of times, if you want to start a company in college, you've you know, got to do it in the evenings after your classes, after all your homework. We worked it out with departments all across campus to give students not just a little bit of credit, but a lot of credit to join this incubator and start their company. So if you're a computer science major or a graphic design major or a business major or a, a math major, we've integrated with your major to give you credit inside a sandbox. You know, BYU had 17 credits, which is the equivalent of, depending on how many credits you're taking, about two thirds of your load across the course of a year, which really allows the student to spend upwards of 30 hours a week launching their companies. And that's like the core of it. On top of that, we lever, we put a ton of effort into mentoring and really hands-on learning with students, right? We have very, very little class time. We meet, you know, we meet twice a week and, you know, for a little over an hour each time. And those are, those are a chance for people to take, to, to really just learn from the experts in the field, right? There's a, you know, a professor over those classes, but really what that professor is doing is just bringing people in from the outside. So today, you know, we had, you know, this morning we had someone who runs growth and marketing for Silicon Slopes here in Utah. And he was in talking about how do you start a social media campaign, right? Really nuts and bolts, practical advice from people who are doing it right now in industry. And so that's the program. It's really, it's really, you know, come together with people who have the skills to build a tech company and build it, and then just make sure we have all the resources you need to succeed. Can you walk us through the journey of a student in a little bit more detail? Like, do I have to apply? What does the application look like? And what happens from there? Yeah, so we're, I mean, yes, yeah, so you have to apply, but we've, I think we've even innovated there on how that happens. I mean, the first stage is obviously just kind of a filter. So uh, we get, you know, we have about a hundred spots a year for Sandbox and we get, you know, four to 500 applications for those seats. The first stage is kind of just a screening out of, you know, typical resume type stuff. But then what we actually do, we, hack, we do a hackathon where you come in on a Saturday and you, you know, try to build a tech product in the course of whatever it is, 16 hours, right? And what we're really looking for there is just a sense of like how, you know, what can you actually do, right? Like not, not just what do you look like on paper, but what can you actually do? And I think that's been pretty effective. I mean, in the first place, it actually screens out a bunch of people because you got to give your Saturday to do this. Historically, it's been like the weekend before Thanksgiving, which is when most BYU students try to just leave and go home. So it means they got to stay on campus longer. And yeah, it's, it's a, just a big filter in terms of commitment and how much do they want this, which we found to be one of the most important elements of Sandbox, both in terms of success and launching their companies, but also learning, right? Like, I think one of the fundamental ideas of Sandbox is that you learn the most by going all in and going really deep, right? When you put everything on the line is when you really push yourself into domains that, you know, are unfamiliar. And so, so we start that with the, with the hackathon, right? Like you've got to, you've got to show to us that you actually care enough to at least give up the whole Saturday. And people actually start preparing for the hackathon well in advance, right? They, they know what it looks like, you know, they, some of them are spending a month to prepare for this thing. So yeah, so that's how, that's how it begins. And, you know, from that, we, you know, filter them down. And you then, so that's in October-ish is when the hackathon airs. Then in January, they come into this uh, really lightweight class. This is not, we don't really think of it as like the core part of Sandbox. It's just a, a prep course. It's one and a half credits is all. And the whole purpose is to help them start to work on ideas and start to meet people and form teams because people don't come into Sandbox usually with a team. They actually, you know, they meet their team here. They come up with their idea here. It's, it's truly an incubator, truly, truly from scratch you know, sort of experiences. So they do that. 
We're in the midst of that right now with the, you know, with next year's cohort. And then in September is when they really get started. And, you know, we push them just to, uh, you know, go as fast as they can to launch and build and get to revenue. It's kind of the, the basic, you know, the basic thing that they were, we're pushing them on. They, again, there's, because they're getting credit for this, there's kind of like an hour's expectation. You know, we say, we expect you to spend 20 to 30 hours a week building your company. We have space that they can do it in. There's a space just off campus where, you know, the teams can be and to work and be together and really, especially in the early stages when you're, a lot of what you're doing is just on a whiteboard, you know, they're down there and then, yeah, they just keep going. And we have, so there's myself and, you know, another kind of director of the program that's really hands-on day-to-day with the teams. And then every team has a, a mentor that's, you know, a successful entrepreneur that they meet with either every week or every other week. And that really holds them accountable and you know, gives them advice and just helps them kind of think through problems, right? And then another one of the, I think one of the really cool aspects of the program is we do these things called expert sessions. And so, you know, so we have, we have the class session that I mentioned, we meet twice a week where we bring in these experts. It's kind of a, you know, a one-to-many experience. Um, and those are, those are really great. I mean, the cohort's not so big that it doesn't feel intimate. They all know each other really well. And so there's lots of questions there, but there's this real need for, you know, the chance to really ask questions in the context of your company. And so that's why we created these things called expert sessions. And what, what those are is, um, you know, it might be one on, you know, again, social media strategies, right? And so you'll say, I, I want to do that one this week. And there's some like online content that you're going to read. And then you, there's Calendly links of, you know, one to five people who are experts in that area, right? And so you hit their Calendly link, you book time with them, and then you get the chance to one-on-one, you know, really explore that concept. So that's kind of like the, the, how it works. You know, it's very fluid, right? It doesn't look anything like a normal class setting. Like, I mean, students, you know, they come in, they're all worried about grades and how to make sure you get an A. <laughs> We're telling them like, hey, like that's, if you're thinking about that, that's the wrong way to be thinking about this. You know, if you, if you go all in, if you really put everything into this, you're going to be fine from a great perspective. Like what we care about here is, you know, the outcomes and what you're actually learning. And so, yeah, so it's a very, very, very different experience, right? And then at the end of Sandbox, we have what we call a demo day where all of the teams sitch their companies because they're, these are, these aren't class projects. Like these are real companies that they're trying to build pitch to the audience of investors and obviously a bunch of their friends as well that have come to see it and support it. I think in a lot of like student incubation hubs, there's like prize money or money that philanthropists have donated grants. And that's, that's all really, really great. But what I remember from our previous conversation was that the investors coming on demo day are actual local venture capitalists and other investment firms that are just looking to get involved with some of these companies. Is that true? Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I mean, we're, we're benefiting from, you know, some rising tides here in Utah where obviously tech startups are you know, becoming a much bigger part of the economy and there's more and more investors. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been great to see real investors engage, but that's, I mean, when you say real, like that is everything we tried to do in Sandbox is to make it real. Like I think that people learn best and it becomes like you know, deeper in their bones when the experience they're having is real. Right. And so, yeah, no, there's no, there's nothing fake about demo day, right? There's nothing, you know, I was meeting with a team this morning who's struggling and saying, what should I do? It's like, well, I don't want you to just, you know, limp across the finish line, right? Just to get a grade. What, what can we do in the next three months to really try to, you know, pivot or launch a new company? So everything we're doing um, is to be very, very real, not just to satisfy some, you know, syllabus or check the boxes for midterms exams or final exams or something like that, right? It's, how do we how do we create a real experience? So, what type of companies are students creating? Is it all software? Is it mostly consumer software? 
what sort of, what sort of companies are you seeing? Yeah. So it's, it's all software, but then all types, right? So, um, we do see, you know, a lot of our B2B SaaS type stuff, just cause again, that's sort of the ecosystem here in Utah. And they, you know, they want to be that company down in Lehigh with the billboard, but you also see, you know, consumer stuff too. I, we've with, with students, well, I think it's, it's really, it's not just students, but anyone like, you know, I think you're best suited to start a company doing something that you know something about, right. That you actually care about a problem that you've personally experienced or seen just a lot easier to build a company that way. And, you know, as we've learned, I mean, this is a new program. We're in our third cohort right now. And, you know, what we're learning is that students can, can come up with a really great idea that's, that's kind of in theory, but they're far more successful if that idea is coming from some personal sort of experience. And so, yeah, so you can, you kind of see everything. So students have decent, you know, experiences with internships or whatever. So they, they've observed business problems. And so some of them are solving those, you know, one of, one of the companies that we're excited about, one of the founders was working at Turing, which is like a software engineering kind of hiring platform for international engineers. He was working there and they wanted to experiment with interactive emails, which is kind of a newish technology that Google developed. And so he built this custom thing for them and it increased their marketing returns in really big ways, but it was super painful and there were no tools to do it. And so he came back and was like, Hey, I want to build a company that anyone could launch interactive emails and email campaigns. And so that's what they're now doing. I was just talking to a, a team running next year's cohort. So they're in the early, early ideation stages. And he is like a super passionate dungeon and dragons, dungeons and dragons. I'm not a player. <laughs> And was telling about this, you know, this, this problem in that community and just saying, Hey, this community is actually really big. And I think if we solve this, I think it could be a big opportunity. And so it's, it is across the spectrum of what they're solving, but always software. Let's talk about learning. I'm curious what types of learning students experience in Sandbox. Maybe a good way to ask this is just to say, what does learning look like in the context of Sandbox? I mean, yeah, so it's, I would say it's like experiential learning, right? I think that's like probably the official term, but how would I describe learning? It's like they, yeah, they're, they're experiencing these things that are really hard that are pushing them into new domains, right? So whether that's, you know, for the, for an engineer, you know, that could be something like, Hey, I've, I've never set up anything on this stack, but this is the right stack for what we're doing. And so I'm going to go off and just figure out how to do that right now. Again, we have. You know, we have a really amazing uh, guy from, he's actually one of the you know, directors of engineering at Divi, who is there as like a backstop for students and to kind of help coach them through it. But a lot of it is like, they're figuring out how to go get their questions answered, right? Um, themselves, right? So it's everything for that, where they're learning new skills, kind of like, what do you call those? Like kind of hard skills, right? To what I think is maybe even more powerful for them in terms of the long-term trajectory is they're learning all of these soft skills, right? So, you know, they're working on these teams which is how work gets done, right, in companies and trying to deliver this result under really tight pressure, right? They've only got eight months to get something that is venture backable, right? So there's all that pressure and all that stress and there's a lot on the line and they've got a lot of commitment to it. And so you get this, you know, kind of a pressure cooker of a team environment where suddenly for the first time in their lives, they actually care about the outcome of something and that means they've got to sort through the, the relationship issues, right? And so a lot of the coaching I send doing with teams is how do you do this, right? Like when you're having these breakdowns in teams of communication or, you know, people not feeling like they can share their ideas openly, whatever else, all these type team dynamic things, they're learning because they actually care, right? Now you compare that to a class project where they're like, okay, in two weeks, this class project is over. And so I'm not going to, I don't care about actually sorting out this relationship thing, right? 
because in two weeks it'll be over and I still have to see that person. I don't want it to be awkward, right? Here, they, that's not a choice, right? Because they're, they're, they're thinking, I'm going to be partnered with this person for 10 years if this goes well. Because it's real, it, it forces them to tackle things that otherwise be like, ah, not worth the investment, right? Whether it's, again, the soft skills of a team environment or learning that harder tech stack, right, that they've never learned before. Because again, they, they're, I guess, personally incentivized in a lot of ways to, you know, to want to learn those things. How do you think about measuring the learning or growth that you see in students throughout their time in the program? I mean, obviously, you're admitting really smart students and you're graduating smart students, but it doesn't sound like it's like just the filter that's making a difference. It sounds like during the program, students are actually going through some pretty impactful changes. So I think, I mean, so I mean, I'll confess, like on the measurement side, we're, we're not great at it, right? I think it's hard to like measure in a way that like a university recognizes, right? Like, I think we haven't, you know, fine-tuned our grading system so we can like really quantify, you know, like I also think grades aren't maybe not the right way to even think about what's learning, what's happening here. But I think like on a personal level, like how do I know that like this is working? Again, I think for me, like that's like ultimate accountability. Like I'm, I've come back here to kind of dedicate really what I think is like a, a give back time for me to do this. And the only reason I'm doing it is because I want to see this change. So I think I, I think I hold myself to a pretty tight personal accountability that if this isn't working, it's not worth my time, right? And maybe I guess the way, how do I know it's working? One is that I have a personal relationship with most people in the cohort, right? That we've gotten so big, I, it's a little hard for me to do, but we have, there's two of us. And so between the two of us, we have a personal relationship. So I shouldn't say there's just two of us. There's actually on the design side, we have an, a, two other really great partners. And so between the four of us, we each know these students individually, right? And it's like a, it's a personal mentorship relationship in that case, where I can just, I can tell you whether they are thriving or not. You know, this morning I, I met with, you know, two students who I didn't think were thriving, right? Who I didn't think were really getting a lot out of the experience, right? And I, you know, I called into my office separately and just said, Hey, like what's going on, right? Like, and how do we, how do we change your experience here so that you're getting getting more out of it. So I think that's the first thing is that because there's actually a personal relationship, I can tell you person by person what they're learning and what they're getting out of it. Right now, again, that's hard to quantify into like, or, you know, distill into A through F grading, but I can personally do that. Right. And tell you that. And then I think there's a lot of external indicators that to me suggest that it's working. So both on the student demand side and the corporate demand side. So what I mean by that is that every year we're getting more and more applications for Sandbox with less and less effort on our side, meaning that it's, it's, pretty much all driven by previous cohort word of mouth, right? And there's probably several reasons they, they would tell people about it, but I think the biggest is that it changed their lives, right? They felt like it was super valuable to them. And so that to me is an indicator that the learning is working. And then the second is that we get employers coming to us and saying, I think of, I guess I won't say names, of one that came and said, hey, you know, when we interview applicants, sandbox applicants are always in the top 10% of of our applicants right this is a tech company and that's what we're gearing students for right and the other is you know another company came and said you know we get thousands of applications for all of our job postings and we always pick the sandbox ones like we weren't trying to but we always end up picking them it's like what's going on here and you know how do we get a front row seat to those applicants right and so so i think there's these you know these external indicators of it but then at the, at the core again i think the way i'm measuring it is, like, is I, I know them right I know what they're doing, not just because I'm looking at papers being submitted online, but because I've seen their work product and I'm talking to them regularly and, you know, able to, yeah, kind of judge that and give them what they need. Okay. Just as a follow-up to that, it sounds like 
you know, this external validation, especially the validation from employers wanting to hire more sandbox graduates. I'm curious, how much of that do you think is due to your excellent filter that you're choosing some of the best students at BYU versus how much of that do you think is due to the growth that students undergo while they're in sandbox? I mean, so obviously they both matter, right? We're, we're, we're trying to improve the filter, right? So if it didn't matter, we wouldn't be sending effort there, right? But I also think that, that, that this sort of experience changes people, like, absolutely. I can say that because I think about students who, you know, when we would have looked at them at the filter, we would have said they're the bottom of it, right? You know, they barely eked over the, the, the hurdle, right? And then when we look at the end, we see them as like this person who, you know, has been really changed by the experience, right? Now, so is it because they got older? I don't know. So like, but I, I think it's the experience. And again, it's, I guess maybe in a way that, you know, an outcome sort of perspective, people who never would have qualified for a job at a top tier company getting that job because of what they've, they've done here. And so again, part is that, you know, a lot of hiring is, you know, tell me about a time when, right. And because sandbox is so real, they have this, like just a plethora of things they can talk about in there. Right. So sandbox absolutely gives them experience that they can talk about. And I don't know, I've never heard of students, you know, I taught classes before this and the students never came back and said, Hey, I was in this interview and I told about your class. Like that just doesn't happen. People don't talk about class projects typically when they're, you know, asked about, you know, tell me about the time when, but all the time with Sandbox. Because Sandbox is, it's just like this real thing. So absolutely, it gives them experience that makes them more employable. But then I also do think that that experience is actually not just, just codifying who they already are. It's actually changing who they are and increasing their abilities, right? And we see that throughout the year. I mean, I can say, again, I, because I know the students, you know, students who, you know, developmentally were thinking about things in like a very, you know, novice sort of way in September, we see them thinking about it in like, very sophisticated ways in April. So I didn't answer your question. It's both, right? <laughs> but I do think the program is, uh, is definitely changing. Up. My next question is, do you find that Sandbox works for everyone? Like, does the program work for everyone or do students need to come in with a certain level of preparation in order to be ready to get the benefit? How do you think about what makes students successful in the program? So I think it absolutely can work for everyone. And really when this relates to your previous question, the thing that we're, we've started to filter on is commitment. We've found that if you're committed to this and you really go all in on it, then you absolutely get the learning outcomes, right? But if you are not committed, so, you know, if you're, there's a lot of college students that are just saying, Hey, how do I, how do I get every prestigious thing on my resume? Right. And so Sandbox has become more prestigious on campus just because it's competitive to get into. And so there are definitely students who come saying, okay, I want that just because it's prestigious, right? But they're also doing this and this and this and this and this, right? And they're so fragmented that they can't really commit and can't really go all in on the program. And so those students, I don't think can benefit from it. But I think in terms of like, you know, do they have to have some sort of like IQ or like natural proclivity towards these things to learn? Absolutely not. Anyone that has really gone all in, we've seen benefit from the program. Now, does that mean that they come out and like raise venture funding on the other end? No, like I think that there probably is like, some preparation of just life experience that prepares them to have recognized an opportunity that was worthwhile to pursue. But from the learning perspective, I can't think of a student who didn't come and go all in on this and didn't come out with huge improvements in terms of kind of, you know, their abilities. As I hear you talk, I'm thinking about how really this seems like what college should be. I mean, I am a believer in a liberal arts curriculum and learning many different topics, but it seems like for someone who wants to learn how to build products and how to build businesses, 
Like what a great preparation. So have you thought about scaling this to other places? And, you know, it seems like you've had such a good trajectory already in the last three years at BYU growing the program. So what are your thoughts about how this would perform in other contexts? I mean, as like a, an entrepreneur, I always want to grow something really big, right? It's like, you know, I don't think we're, we're always kind of dissatisfied with how big things are. And so I thought about it a lot. I think that there are, oh, is this repeatable? Absolutely. Like, could some other university do this? Yes. Is it scalable? As in like, you know, could I, you know, just kind of single-handedly scale this? Yeah, within reason. It's not, I mean, it's not software, right? It doesn't scale like that, right? It's this sandbox is so dependent on mentorship, right? And committed mentors, right? That you have to have those. Like there has to be, there's, I don't think that I'm very special, but you need someone that's willing to come and really, really engage deeply with this, right? We have, we have lots of mentors that come, you know, like I said, every team has one. They're being mentored, but that's just a little different, right? They've got their, you know, they've got their day jobs and they're thinking about a thousand other things. They're not thinking about, oh, how do I help this team be better tomorrow, right? They do think about that and they're amazing. Like and we, the program would be far less without them, but you have to have people that are willing to come and really commit to doing this, right? So this year we, again, we brought on you know, Scott Evanson, who, you know, partners with me on this now to be able to help us scale. You know, we scaled from, you know, basically 50 students last year to hundred students this year. Cause I kind of recognize about the most I can really help when I want is somewhere in the 50 to 60 range. Right. And so, so yeah, so it's scalable that way, but, but that's just, that's a, there's not you know, a ton of people that are, that are willing to come and do that sort of thing. Other challenges as well. Like I think, I think BYU is unique in that, um, we got all of these departments to, to play ball, right? Like universities are typically very tribal places and BYU is too, but, but I think maybe less so than other places. And, you know, to get computer science and graphic design, so like fine arts, right. And then, you know, computer science and business to all say, we're going to we're going to give credits inside of our majors for students to do this, I think is unique. You know, I've talked to other universities here in the state trying to share what we're doing. And I think they all think about, I don't know if we could do that. You know? I don't think we could get those, those different schools to, to collaborate in that sort of way. And so, yeah, so I think it's absolutely doable. It's nothing, it's nothing that is, I think, unique to me. It's just, I think you need an institution that's willing to support it in, I think, pretty creative ways that are very out of the box what they normally do. And then, I, then you also need just an army of people that are willing to come and really engage with students deeply like that. What would you say, thinking about Sandbox across the board, what are some of your favorite aspects of the program for students and what's most meaningful to you personally? Oh, I mean, it's, it's absolutely like the highs and the lows, and which, which are, are both kind of those moments of growth, right? Like, you know, I was walking out of, you know, class, you know, our, our one sweet class. Well, I guess that's right. They put that there's two different things. So on, on Wednesday and, um, and I just talked to this team who had finally made a breakthrough, you know, they had been like struggling all semester and suddenly they're hitting it and they've got growth and they've got customers and they just can't move fast enough to keep up with kind of this momentum. And that's just like, I just walked away. I think that is so amazing. Like they're getting this experience before they've even graduated from college, right? Building something and creating something. So it's like, it's that. But it's also the, you know, the other extreme of like, you know, I've got a team in my office who is just like ready to kill each other. <laughs> and anyway, and just, and just really helping and coaching them through, okay, guys, like let's, let's open up and let's be vulnerable with each other and like talk about what we're feeling. <laughs> it's like a therapy session, you know, and, and they're learning and they just, and they just start to learn these just really important skills you know, or it's the team that like went all in, right. And put it all out there. They quit their jobs and they, 
you know, they quit their jobs and they they worked a hundred hours a week and they just went completely all in. They could, they, they dropped all their other classes and we're only doing this. Right. And then it just doesn't work out. And that's like, you want to talk about, it's like a crushing thing for them. Right. It's like, it's crushing. And it's, I mean, it like feels crushing to me too, but at the same time, it's so rewarding then to see them have experienced that and to be able to look back and like in a very, very meaningful way, have these, like these, this experience now to say, okay, I'm going to do that differently this time. I was talking to one of those teams this morning and they're looking back and they, they had just, they had done all of those things and their team had just, they just kind of reached the point where it just wasn't going to work. And they're just reflecting like, okay, we're, so they're, they're spinning back up and they've got a new company that's got a lot of traction already. Right. And they're going to be, I think by demo day, really excited, but they were, they're sitting back and they're reflecting on, you know, what they would have done differently. Now, what they're going to do differently in their next one. And it wasn't just like, you know, because I read it in their book, it's because they, you know, they're never going to forget that lesson. As you look towards the, the future of Sandbox or some of your other efforts in this area, is there a particular vision that inspires you or something that you're building towards? I guess I'm, I'm curious to know what the future looks like here. Yeah, so I think, I mean, so there's probably, there's two different questions there. Like, what do, you know, as I, what am I thinking about for myself personally of how do we keep moving forward with education, innovation, and maybe the question of a sandbox. Uh, sandbox, I think is easier. Like, I think we're, we're just gonna keep iterating, right? Like we're gonna keep, you know, making it better. I mean, this, this year we already made big changes and we're already seeing, you know, better outcomes. And so I think for me, it's, you know, how do we just keep making this better and better every year for the 100 to 120 students that are doing it here at BYU, right? And there's probably, yeah, there's probably opportunity. I talk with people regularly about saying, hey, we'd like to do something similar at, you know, this place or this place. And yeah, I think being a, just a, a good, I think, part of the community of sharing, sharing that, right. And hoping to see these sorts of things spread. But yeah, I think, I think for, for me, as I start to think, okay, how, how do we now really start to scale this? I think, I think one of the challenges in the education system today is that it's really hard to innovate, right? Because ultimately like the universities hold the keys of like, like they hold the stamps of approval, right? Like, you know, students, you know, the students are all coming to the university to get that stamp. Right. And so if you're an education innovator who, you know, wants to do something really cool, you can try, you can do it and you can, you know, you can, you can attract an audience, right? You see, you know, you're seeing coding boot camps and have this whole boot camp thing that's going on, but they, you know, they, they're not able to attract maybe the broadest assortment of students because they can't give that stamp that the the universities can give. And then I think simultaneously, I don't think universities are, you know, really in the business of innovation too much, right? They just have a lot of legacy that's holding the dock, right? And so I've been thinking a lot about how can we change that, right? How can we, is there something we can do systemically change who can, who gives that stamp, right? In a way that, that more people could, could participate. And I'm, I'm talking probably very abstractly, but almost like if, if there was an API for stamp generation, right? That anyone could plug into. So if you wanted to you know, you've got this really amazing idea of how to educate better. You could do that thing, plug into this API and generate stamps, right? It's kind of, the, that's kind of the dream, right? At least for me is, is how do we, how do we start to really unlock innovation across the system in a way that, you know, produces signals that, um, that employers need, right? Like they're, you know, employers have never met these people. And so they rely on these signals. So they rely on the fact that you went to, you know, BYU and graduated in strategy, right? Or. Stanford and did CS, right? Like they rely on these stamps to, you know, filter and whatever else. And that's kind of normal, but it's also a system that I think is just totally inhibiting innovation. And so we need a new stamp generator, right? We just new stamp API, right? It just can, uh, you know, allow anyone to, to innovate. So that's, I think, cause I think about like what's next. That's the big problem I want to think about. 
Meanwhile, continuing to help Sandbox be what it is. It's like enormously rewarding for me personally, just in terms of just watching again, again, those highs and those lows that the students pass through and, and the process to become lifelong friends. Chris, thank you so much for joining today and sharing your experience with us. I think we all have a lot to learn from what you guys are doing.